0: Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood.
1: My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley.
0: We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up, up <laughs> and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me?
1: If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs>
0: You don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? (laughs) If I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God.
1: I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time.
0: This week on the podcast, I talk about feeling real unsexy and how that feels weird. And Peter comes to the realization that he will not be Steve Jobs
1: enjoy. So, okay, this is a thing. This is not the thing. This is another thing. I've been meaning to mention this since I was in Australia. So this has been many, many months. Yeah. Which is that when I'm talking about this podcast with my brother and sister, uh, we call it BMX. And I've started doing that with you. And I think you call it BMX now as well.
0: Yeah, not really. But yeah. What do you call it? I just usually say the podcast.
1: (laughs) So I always think of this as BMX. And so I reckon what we should do is call the people who listen to this podcast the BMX Bandits. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> Please. So if
1: you're listening to this, you are now officially a BMX Bandit, and that is what we'll refer no, to you as. No, no, no,
0: no. That's not what's happening. This is like what happened with the outro, and now that outro is a thing, and people take it literally when we mean say this script. I, I don't mean say that script at all. I mean say something completely else... Something particularly if it's defamatory about Peter, <laughs> say that.
1: You know what happened with the outro, yeah?
0: Yeah, you just did one with your dad and your mum.
1: And then you were meant to do one with your parents, saying, SJ is my favourite daughter. Oh! You didn't. Was
0: I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, we didn't discuss that.
1: Yeah, we had. We discussed it. And then we yeah. discussed it like a couple of weeks before you did it. So then when you went, you are like, oh, I should find that script. Here's what Peter said. And then you use that. And so now... Now, like, it was never meant to be Peter is my favorite son is the tagline of the podcast. (laughs) That was a total accident. (laughs) I find quite amusing, but it was not deliberate. Like, genuinely, that was not meant to be what people say. But because you forgot and didn't do the joke, because you have a sister, and so your parents saying SJ is my favorite daughter was meant to be them being like, oh, that's not right. But instead you got them to say (laughs) Peter is my favorite son. (laughs)
0: Which they were, I mean...
1: They were very confused about.
0: My dad was particularly... Yeah, my mum was pretty like... Yeah, anyway, earlier episodes.
1: So BMX Bandits, lock it in. No. Okay, it won't be BMX Bandits if you can come up with a better thing right now.
0: Literally anything else <laughs> I mean, if you have suggestions, you you can send them in
1: That's right, BMX Bandits, we're looking for your feedback
0: Fuck you <laughs> Yeah,
1: fuck you, BMX Bandits SJ doesn't want to hear your feedback <laughs> I do, because I'm the nice one on this podcast SJ's just mean about people's voices And just, just generally pretty horrible
0: Have you noticed, like, I've really noticed this recently That you are way more complimentary than I am
1: Yeah That's not news to me, no.
0: Yeah, but I'm, like, generally a very nice person.
1: I mean, you did just tell all the BMX bandits to go fuck themselves, so...
0: No, no, sorry. The way that I said that made it sound, like, really smarmy. I'm
1: pretty great.
0: What I mean is, like... I generally try to be... Um, Racist. I Like, I try to be complimentary, if that makes sense. Yeah. In a way that doesn't feel forced, but like...
1: I'm very expressive. Is that what you're referring to?
0: No, but what I mean is I am as well, but just not with you.
1: <laughs> That's convenient, because all the evidence we have of you being expressive or not is with me. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's funny that the one person you record a podcast with is the one person you're not very expressive with.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to work out why that is. But, like, usually, like, all my other friends, I, you know, I will tell them that they're great and that they've done awesome stuff.
1: You tell me I'm great.
0: Oh, yeah, but I usually do it sarcastically.
1: Oh, you normally do it by text, so I don't know that it's sarcastic, so, um...
0: (laughs) Oh, 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 no, no, those ones are probably not sarcastic, but I can't say it with my own voice.
1: SJ, I love you, I think you're great, you're one of those wonderful people I know, and I'm really excited to sit down and chat to you every week.
0: Yeah, see, I wouldn't say that to you. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like, like I, I, I think that that's... Oh. I just don't... Like, like it makes me feel...
1: <laughs> you can't even say it one step removed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't... Like, I... It just... I, I don't know why that is.
1: For me, I think part of it is that my dad is very, very loving, but not with his words. He's one of those... You know about the four love languages, yeah?
0: Isn't there five?
1: No, four and a half love languages. Um, Wait,
0: on, I'm so sure that there are five love languages.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's five.
0: Oh, yeah. What are they? There's like acts of service, gifts. There's
1: doing stuff, giving stuff, saying stuff, uh, spending time with someone, and touch. Is touch one of them? Yeah. Yeah. So those are the five love languages. Uh, My dad is very, very, very strictly like uh, doing stuff for you. Acts Acts of of service. service. Yeah, like you met my dad. You know how giving and loving he is. Yeah. And I went and stayed with one of my aunts once, and she was like, Peter... Your dad will never say this, so let me say this for you. He loves you. And I was like, oh, thank you. That's a, That feels like a weird thing to do, for sure.
0: What's your love language? I feel like I should know this. Or at least know what it was two years ago.
1: I don't think I'm strictly in one of them, but um, definitely definitely saying things is one of them.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Because I told my dad that conversation I had with my aunt. He was like, of course I love you. I just don't say it. And so ever since then, I've I've made a big point of being okay with saying I love you. Like, I'm very expressive with my love. Yeah. And when we were talking about Christopher in podcast number 21, I said that we very deeply love each other. What I, what I meant is we do very deeply love each other. What I meant was we very expressively love each other. Like, me and Christopher will say I love you a lot. And I worked out that that relationship, by the way, is represented in TV. JD and Turk from Scrubs.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Totally. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that is the exact relationship. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, I I try very hard to be expressive with my love because I'm aware that it's some people's love languages. I also try to give gifts because I'm aware that that's some people's love languages. I will basically try to hit all five, and then once I've learned what your love language is, I'll I'll hone in on that.
0: You'll tailor it. Yeah, I'll tailor it. Like, you'll give, like, the full package deal, and then you'll (laughs) tailor it to your needs.
1: Yeah, so, like, I'll buy you all the food, and then when I learn that you're a vegetarian who's who's gluten-free, I will drastically change what I'm bringing you.
0: So... I haven't received a gift from you in a long time. Is that true? I mean, do you count the stuff that you gave me when you left Australia? Yes. <laughs> I don't think they're really gifts.
1: I don't think you're a particularly gifty person. I used to buy gifts all the time when we were dating.
0: Oh, yeah, you would get me giant plush toys. Yes,
1: yeah, you had so many of them.
0: Oh, they were such a nuisance. <laughs> I mean, it was very lovely.
1: This is the love letter all over again.
0: I remember, actually... Okay. Is this true? You were driving us home from somewhere. I fell asleep in the car, a 24 hour Kmart. You bought like a giant rabbit and then you just put it on me in the car (laughs) and kept driving and waited for me to wake up.
1: That is correct. Yeah. We used to have a running gag in our relationship that I would buy you insanely large plush toys, like toys the size of you. Yeah. We had probably three or four of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then one day you sat down and said, Peter, you need to stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> we ran out of space in the house to keep ridiculously huge plush toys. But I thought that was really fun. Um, while I was in Chicago, I went to Six Flags and there were these gigantic plush toy elephants. And I took a photo of one and sent it to you. And you were like, what's this? And I was like, this is because of the, the toys. And you were like, what? And I was like, because I used to buy you giant toys. You are like oh, yeah, I remember you doing that once. And I was like, no, no that, was a, that was a whole thing. That was a
0: thing. I mean, the other week I went to Phillip Island, which is a place in Victoria in Australia, and they have lots of fairy penguins. And I went to go see all the penguins, like, arrive back on shore. Anyway, they have a gift shop, which is basically exclusively plush toy penguins. <laughs> and when we were going out, your family decided that penguins was our animal.
1: Specifically my mum My mum was like, Peter, I never know what to buy you You guys like penguins now
0: <laughs> Yeah, I know, I was gonna, that's exactly it It wasn't like, do you guys like penguins?
1: Because <laughs> I have a giant stuffed toy penguin I still have him actually, Splinter Which my mum turned into a bag so I could store stuff in him He's really handy, uh, I, I still have him Like, he's one of the few things i brought with me from Australia to America Oh wow and so mum was like, "Okay, you have a you have a penguin. You guys like penguins now." And so every single like anniversary, Christmas, birthday, she would buy something penguin themed.
0: Which I think is kind of funny because we were very openly polyamorous, and penguins are seen as like the symbol of monogamy. Are they? Yeah, they're like penguins mate for life, right?
1: Oh right, okay. I think that like the official monogamy board uses it.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Penguins don't actually mate for life. Not all of them. <laughs> And there's apparently like, I don't know, they have like a 25% fail rate or something on their first partnership. That's pretty low. And
1: I mean, for humans, I guess I'm comparing it to humans, which is not kidding. Yeah, really... compared to humans.
0: <laughs> but I mean, like, that's pretty high if you consider that we think... I mean, I don't even know if that fact is correct. But what I really mean is they don't all mate for life. Some of them fuck it up the first time and then they get with someone else.
1: I've been thinking so much about dating lately and what compatibility is and all that. And like, you and I had a very big, intense relationship. And as a result of that, all my future relationships are just going to be better. What? Which is not not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just really a fact. Like, I learned a lot from dating you. And, you know, I think if you end up with the first person who you date, you miss out on a lot of that learning.
0: See, like... I would think that, but I don't know what it would be like to date someone for all of the time, like my parents are each other's first girlfriend boyfriend, really? yeah, I think they're actually for my dad it's it was like his first kiss or something stupid <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why stupid? <laughs>
0: Sorry, I just mean something ridiculous. But it means that they're awful in a breakup, right? They've never had a breakup. Neither of them.
1: Well, as well as that, you I know a lot of people listening to this will be with their first love, and I don't want to come across as like, you guys are doing it wrong, you should break up for no real reason. I just find it bewildering. Like, I really struggle to understand that as a concept.
0: Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense to date a bunch of people because uh, you got to learn stuff. But I also don't know what it's like to date. I assume that if you date the one person for a really long time, you guys learn stuff together?
1: Well, I mean, for me it's most separated and obvious with sex. Like, I had sex with maybe 20 different people before I actually understood what I was doing and started to get good at it.
0: Who were those people? Do you want a list? I mean, like, am I one of the people? Was I one of the learner-driver sex people? <laughs>
1: yes yes you were
0: oh fucking hell i'm a learner
1: you were the second person i ever had sex with what did you expect
0: oh yeah okay that makes sense
1: you were like man that one person you had sex with before me that must have been like 20 people's worth no sj that's not how it works
0: <laughs> well just maybe i'm like 25 people's
1: worth. You know? <laughs> but like not only in terms of, of pleasing the other person but in learning what you want like i didn't realize what was useful for me during sex or what what got me off or what positions or what structure of sex or any of that like I had no idea because if you have sex with one person you kind of do it that way and you can explore to a certain extent but it's not until you have sex with a whole different person who's like had different experiences that you're like oh sex can be like this it can be this totally different thing and so I had sex with a lot of people before I was like oh okay this thing is what I like and this thing is what I like and I just don't understand how you can encounter those same things if you're having sex with one person.
0: Yeah, sure. But I mean, that's that thing of like, this isn't supposed to sound, what's a really good word for I think I'm better than other people? Elitist. Yeah, it's not supposed to sound elitist, but I suppose it's that thing of like, you don't miss what you don't know.
1: Oh god, that's that's like, in one of the warm ups we talked about this concept of you want to be happy, lower your expectations. It's really true, but it's fucking bleak. That's the same thing. Like, oh, well, you know, if you never see colour, you won't know that you're missing it. No,
0: no, I'm not saying... If you never
1: know pleasure, you won't know that you're not having pleasure.
0: That's why I'm not trying to sound elitist because I'm not trying to say, like, if you've only been with one person, you don't know what pleasure is. Like, I don't believe that to be true. I'm just saying, like, if you haven't had those experiences, like, you don't have stuff to miss. Also, I don't know. I don't know what it would be like to be in, like, a relationship that's, like, That's monogamous and 15 years long. We're aware
1: that you don't know that. Yeah. That's covered. You don't have to keep on saying that. You do not need to (laughs) constantly apologise. The thing is, though... So,
0: wait on. I have a question. How do you have sex differently now to when we had sex?
1: Okay, so this is something else I've been thinking about a lot. I have no shame. Like, I can go into excruciating detail. I just don't because I'm aware it makes most people, including you, uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, sure. So, how much detail?
1: I mean, I mean, not, not only how much detail, but how much of your sex life do you want revealed?
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Because <laughs> I'll talk about everything. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. But you are the person who are asking me about your sex life.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because now I, like... So, in some ways, I think of SJ as kind of being a muggle name. And honor easily as being like the name where you can do whatever you want, right? But
1: (laughs) I love that you've used muggle because in Harry Potter, people don't change names. Like, that's explicitly not a universe in which people are like, well, I'm a wizard now, so I'm going to change from being Joe Tron to Cornelius Wizardlen.
0: Uh, yeah, I just mean, like, Honor use is my magical name where I can achieve and do and say whatever I want. But that's not completely the truth, because I'm like, oh, people that I work with listen to this podcast now.
1: Oh, in that case, I will go into a lot of detail about your sex life.
0: <laughs> but then I'm like, well, if they've listened, they've already heard a bunch of shit.
1: Okay, I'll give you a non-specific example. Or not even an example, just like a, a premise, which is that if you're with, like, the person you're going to be with forever... I feel like there's a lot of pressure on the sex.
0: Sure, because you're like, this is going to be around for a long time. Yeah. We've got to, yeah, okay.
1: And like the things I say or do in the bedroom might have lasting consequences. Whereas when I was traveling through Europe and America, I was having a lot of one night stands. And so I was like, I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to try this thing. Or, you know, people would be like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I do. Let's do it. Fuck it. I'm never going to see you again. Let's try that thing. Sure. And so stuff that in a long term relationship, I might be like, oh, I don't want to do that because if you really like it, we have to do it every time. And if
0: you know, nah, nah, nah. oh yeah, because oh yeah, I remember that was like a huge source of anxiety for you in our relationship. What, what do you mean? I'd be like, do you want to do this thing? And you'd be like, I don't want you to get me to do weird stuff.
1: Yeah, honestly, that was it, and and that was part of being new, like new to sex. I was like, I'm just barely getting the thing where the penis goes in the lady. <laughs> so partially it was like, everything is new. Please don't overwhelm me. And partially it was like, oh God, if I do this thing and I hate it. And she's like, nope, this is what I need. Which is not a realistic consequence. Like you and I were very good at talking about things. Maybe not sex as much, but we were very good at talking about things generally. And if you're like Peter... I always want you to paint me blue. And I was like, oh, God, I can't be fucking the blue paint every time. <laughs> we would have had that conversation.
0: We're spending so much money on sheets.
1: <laughs> and so my concern was not really rational. But at the same time, I was like, oh, God, what if I try this thing? And she she really likes it and I don't. What happens then? Like, what happens? I don't know. I just genuinely don't know. It's, I'm new to this.
0: But this is the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. So, oh, my God, fuck. Right.
1: And so, yeah, in a okay. long-term monogamous relationship, I'm sure there are people who are less uh, Peter than I am. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: <laughs> Afraid?
1: Nervous. Yeah, I'm sure there are people who, who, are, who are more sexually confident. That's the other thing. I got a lot more sexually confident. I had zero sexual confidence because, we've not really talked about this before, but um, I, for a very long time, was convinced that I was deeply unattractive. Huh and that's really weird for me because I'm so confident but I spent 22 years as a virgin with like maybe a total of three girls ever having crushes on me and then I lost my virginity to someone who was like hey Peter it's your birthday here's your present I'm gonna take your virginity and I was like hooray but like that doesn't really instill sexual confidence
0: isn't that yeah I just thought, like, usually on your birthday, you get given things rather than (laughs) things taken away.
1: I got given some hot sex.
0: I mean, I don't like the idea of someone taking your virginity, but that's a whole big tangent.
1: And then I met you, and the circumstances in which you were interested in me were so specific. If you'd taken away any one of those dominoes, like, there is no chance we would have ever kissed, let alone dated for three years
0: like what were the dominoes
1: So like you were only vaguely attracted to me because I was like I got a broken penis. Interesting shame things and you were like interesting shame things about genitals you say.
0: No, I'm not I wasn't like show me it. I was like
1: No, 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 but the 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 first spark was definitely due to my confidence in my broken penis.
0: It was to do with your honesty, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And so whether this is true or not, in my mind for a very long time, I was like, "Man, sure is lucky." Like, and I was genuinely like, "Man, this was really lucky." But I was like, "Gosh, it's so lucky that I had a broken penis and talked about it, and SJ was there because otherwise, she never would have been interested." Which, I think, is is not inaccurate.
0: <laughs> that's that's yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: And then. As we talked about in the podcast, uh, How I Met My Ex. Uh, I'm just referencing old podcasts now. I feel I feel like we have enough of a back catalogue that I can be like, go listen to that one for a bit of context here. I don't know why. That feels cool to me, but that feels cool to me.
0: Oh, to be like, oh, reference? It's like hyperlinking inside of your own article to another article that you wrote. It's
1: like comic books when they're like, oh, Batman, I'm really angry at you due to the Venezuela incident. Footnote, check that out in issue 41. Okay. <laughs> so... The initial spark was due to the broken penis thing. And then we went on a date and hooked up once or twice, but we only kept on hooking up because I was a total newbie to sex, like total virgin. And you were like, this is so weird and interesting. Also because you were
0: willing to come
1: to my house. Right. And then we, <laughs> we were together for over a month, or maybe, maybe less than that, maybe like two or three weeks before you were even like, this guy's actually cool.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: like all of those things fell in line in order to have... Any human interested in me?
0: Oh yeah, okay, okay. So wait on when did your when did you start thinking differently of yourself? Because you said you used to. I, you've never talked to me about this. No, I
1: didn't know that. I, th- I assumed that I had. something I've thought about for you know years and years.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just like never mentioned this. I don't think.
1: <laughs> so you were this massive fluke, and then when we were together, I started dating other people, and after all, I was like, oh man, these people are hot and. They seem to be into me despite the massive sort of obstacle of me having a live in girlfriend. <laughs> uh, you know, me having a partner that I live- girlfriend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me having a partner that I live with and, you know, being poly and my partner being a little bit possessive and jealous, they're still into me. That was a partial turning point. And then after we broke up and I went to America, I kinda went sex crazy for a bit and I slept with like, I don't know, a dozen people in America. And I was like, Oh, I can sleep with, like, a lot of people. Which is not something I'm saying everyone should aspire to or that I should have aspired to, but it was something that had never happened and had never been an option and had never really been a part of my life.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so I was like, oh, maybe maybe I'm a little bit attractive.
0: I've seen myself and a number of other people go through that sort of process where they get to a point where they realise that there is a lot more, like, intimacy and sex and stuff. Available to them than they thought
1: Right, Yeah.
0: I was actually just thinking about this last night Because I was hanging out with some friends And they're all like in the sex positive Sort of kinky sort of world And I love them I think that they're all so fabulous And I used to be really way more involved in that Yeah And really like Yes, let's go And like really proud Slutty person And I... I actually feel kind of sad about it. I actually feel like that part of myself has sort of died a little bit.
1: Is that due to time issues or or personality changes or herpes?
0: (laughs) I think it's a couple of things. So when I first started getting involved in like the sex positive crowd, and that was while we were dating, I was like, oh my God. And I had all this enthusiasm and also all of this hubris and i just like charged my way through it
1: how are you using hubris
0: invincibility
1: okay cool hubris in in my experience i could be wrong about this is like pride that comes right before a fall
0: oh yeah no that's exactly what happened okay cool yeah (laughs) so i was like yes i have arrived and i went and did all this like you know like really fun ridiculous sexy stuff then I had an incident with a person and I mean I'm not gonna go into detail but it's like one of those like sort of like messed up sex situations it was kind of like kind of rapey but also like very gray and
1: weird there was ambiguous consent
0: yeah it was like yeah it was just and it was a really bad experience and that kind of you know that sort of took the shine off the whole thing particularly because if you're into like communal sex positive crowd and you have an interaction with someone like that is like that if you go to parties and stuff that person can still be there right yeah and then this place that was, like, free and... Um,
1: it was a magical wonderland. It was Charlie in the Chocolate Factory before anyone gets sucked into the chocolate river.
0: <laughs> exactly. And then it goes into that weird, like, when they're on the boat and all that weird <laughs> hallucinatory shit is happening. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this place that was, like, very... Felt really safe and whatever. That, you know, has that element of uncomfortability. <laughs> and that happens with... Every community that you get into... This isn't exclusive to sex pod stuff, but, like, you know, you get into a group of friends and you're like, oh, my God, everyone's so wonderful. And then once you get in... There's always kind of politics and, oh, like... Oh, yeah. Weird relationship stuff that's going on everywhere. Yep. Not to say that, like... I don't know. Anyway.
1: I think you should apologize more, SJ.
0: Yeah, I, I'm trying to avoid apologizing because I want to apologize for, like, comparing normal social situations to situations of, like, sexual assault and stuff. But what I just mean is, like... Shit always goes down everywhere.
1: Did I ever tell you about the Laughing Club? No. So when I lived on the streets for a month, homeless, I was hanging around Fed Square a lot because it's a really nice, good spot to ask for money and also just like a big TV and there's always stuff on.
0: Oh, we should say if you're new, y- you can listen to <laughs>
1: <laughs> to when Peter fought Batman in issue number. Uh, it's called Living on the Streets with My Ex. And it goes through where I was homeless and why I was homeless and et cetera. And the main thing about being homeless is that it's very, very boring. And so there was a big TV at Fed Square and the MX was there. And so I spent a lot of time at Fed Square. One time I was there on a Saturday morning and I found this like group of, of you know, five to 15 women in their 50s, 60s, 70s standing in a circle laughing. Turns out it's called the Laughter Club. And they do it on the first set. They used to. I don't know if they do anymore. This was in 2010. They would meet every, the first Saturday of every month and just go, ha, 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 he, 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 he. ho, 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 ha, 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 ha. And you do that together in a group in a circle until you're actually laughing. And once one person starts actually laughing, it's very easy to get into it and it's super contagious, like laughter is. And you end up just standing in a circle, just cracking up. <laughs> it's the weirdest and funniest thing. And they do it for like reasons of, you know, wellness of mind and put your body in a, in a positive mental state and all that and then after we were done they're like hey we're gonna go to lunch do you want to come with us and i was like yeah okay you know uh, i'll come sit with you and then they bought me a lunch and that was very nice of them so the scene is set it's a club dedicated to getting together once a month and laughing yeah i over the course of that lunch learned that there were more politics in that group than most groups i've been a part of
0: like what was happening
1: <laughs> so the part of the laughter club thing is that some people are like, hey, let's let's take this to small local businesses and do it as a, you know, as a... What are they called? When, when external people come in, they're like, hey, let's improve the company culture.
0: A team building exercise?
1: Team building exercise and stuff like that. And so the official laughter club had that sanction and one person was the president of the official laughter club, but the person who used to be the vice president of the official laughter club had started doing that on the side under her own business name. And two of the people who were like... Oh, God, just like the endless levels of drama yeah, yeah. in this group of people who literally yeah. got together once a month and laughed <laughs> yeah. made me realize that no matter what the size of the group, no matter what the purpose of the group, no matter what the demographic of the group, there will always be intense politics. It's the most ridiculous thing.
0: <laughs> I was talking to my sister and she was saying, like, I don't know, I feel like this is like an, if you have a normal job, normal job,
1: a nine to five job?
0: No, just one of the hardest things about work is having to work with other people. <laughs> like that sounds that sounds really silly, but um I can yeah. Back onto the sex pods crowd things. So after that incident with that person, I like took a few steps back and then I think a bit later I stopped dating the person that I was dating kind of more in that sort of community. And then I also somewhere in there became quite really unwell. Like, the idea of that kind of stuff, which is really putting yourself out there, was not really that attractive. And then, yeah, just being in more situations where sort of fucked shit happened. Like, I remember being at... Oh, fuck. I remember being at a friend's dinner party that then everyone was kind of... Ended up getting kind of sexy at and, like... oh, I don't even want to... uh Yeah, I don't... Just, like, yeah bad stuff and that I just yeah it I'm a sensitive person and that stuff affects me and so it didn't make me want to get more involved and then my relationship with my ex that sort of soured it a lot because we had a really big argument when we broke up about those kind of spaces
1: like who gets them in the divorce
0: yeah who gets those spaces in the divorce and I've sort of retreated since that because I, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I think because I've been focusing so much on my mental health, it felt like there wasn't space for something like that. That makes sense. I think also because it can be so emotionally tumultuous that part of it maybe didn't feel worth it. I don't know. I've been talking about this recently because I feel like I've been feeling really... Is it offensive to say that you feel asexual?
1: I don't think so, but... Okay. You've been feeling less sexual is how I would phrase that.
0: Yeah, sure. For the past, like, eight months.
1: Just don't say retarded. That's really offensive.
0: Oh, my God. Shut up.
1: Okay, fine. Do say retarded. Ugh! So you've been feeling...
0: Your jokes suck. <laughs> oh. um...
1: <laughs> you are really bad at compliments. You're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it actually makes me sad. Because that used to be such a big part of my identity. Do you remember, like... Yeah, yeah. We used to do a show called That Sexy Show. Yeah. And on it, I was just like, yeah, all this crazy stuff I've done. woohoo! Let's talk about sex. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm the same way with socializing. I used to have parties every month. And I used to have yeah several dozen friends. And I'm in a city now where I know... Someone asked me the other day, they're like, how many people do you know in Toronto? And I was like, four. <laughs> but two of those people I live with and don't really hang out with. Like... <laughs> I am very happy knowing no one at the moment, uh, and I'm still social. Like I chat to you once a week, and I chat to my brother and my sister all day, every day. And I have you know a dozen people on Facebook. Who I'm always messaging, and I'm part of several Slacks in different countries and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, you're definitely not anti-social. Yeah.
1: I used to make new friends easily and at the drop of a hat and constantly, and I don't do that anymore. And I'm like, man, that was a that was a whole different Peter. But it comes down to for me like just hours in the day and mental energy, like. If I make a dozen friends, then that's four nights a week that I'm going to go hang out with them. And I would just rather be working.
0: Wow. You have such a logical brain. I have an inability to accept those kind of things.
1: Sounds very difficult.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's no fun. Like, I wouldn't be able to do all of this stuff.
1: Right, yeah. You know that you can't.
0: Yeah, no, I know that I can't, but I'm like, oh, I should be able to go to my job and also make sure that I have enough food in my house. And then, like, I'm actually pretty good at being a human, but then also, like, make sure that I connect with all of my friends on a regular basis and make sure that I'm having the right amount of sex. and
1: (laughs) The correct amount according to my quota, my little book of how much sex to have.
0: I got this book recently, it's called The Sex (laughs) Biff.
1: I thought it was going to be like a how much sex you should be having book like It is that book
0: Yeah (laughs) so the book I like have only just started it but from my understanding of the book the book is basically everyone thinks that everyone else is having way more sex than they're having and yeah I suppose I want to unpack some of my shame around that because it's weird I don't really talk about this that much like with hardly anyone
1: Just the whole world. (laughs) Just
0: the whole world right now. But I feel really embarrassed about it. I think because I used to be so... Sexual. Yeah, it used to be such a big part of my identity. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a blank space baby and I'll fill it with nothing. Sorry, that's a reference to a Taylor Swift song.
1: Is it called Blank Spaces?
0: I got a blank space baby and I'll write your name.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So do you feel like you should be having more sex? Okay, there were two things that really led me towards this style of thinking. One was this really amazing article I read once where someone said, write down everything you do in your life, like all of your activities, then rank them in order of importance. And so the woman was like, okay, well, you know, I make uh, lunch for my kids to take to school and I hang out with my husband and I coach the netball team and I write fiction on the side and I do this. You know, she's wrote down all the things in her life and then rank them in order of importance. Then it said, take all of those things and write down how many hours a week you spend on them. Now look at those two lists, do they match up? And she realized that she was spending something like 15, 20% of her time coaching a netball team that she didn't give a shit about.
0: Oh yeah, okay, okay.
1: And so she called the school and she was like, hey, I'm not gonna coach netball anymore. And they're like, oh, you're really gonna leave us in the lurch, like, you know, we need a netball coach. She's like, you do, I'm just not gonna put this in front of the things I actually wanna do in my life, like spending time with my kids. And so in that sense, you know, if, if it came down to making some local friends and having a beer with them once a week or playing board games with them once every, you know, three or four days versus the insane amount of stuff that I want to do with my life, for me, there's just no competition. Because the other thing that I, I learned about was, I think it was a wait, but why post <laughs> about...
0: We should really get wait, but why to sponsor this podcast.
1: <laughs> why would they need to? We bring them up every episode. <laughs> you're saying, hey, you should pay us money for a thing that we're already doing. But I don't think it was actually that post necessarily, but it was this discussion around it. I was talking to, when I lived with Kate and Kieran, I was talking to Kate about the fact that I am never going to be Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or, you know, one of those visionary geniuses that change the world. And that might sound obvious because not many people are, but in my mind, I've always been like, yeah, I'll do that, you know. I'll be one of those people who changed the world.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean... I'm actually surprised that you're saying this because I know you well enough (laughs) to know that you definitely used to think that.
1: And Kate was like, that's probably a good thing. Because if you look at those people, they don't have social lives and they're quite often like socially quite destructive and they don't do anything but this. And I was actually talking about the fact that actually I just don't have the right kind of genius. Like They are not working on the better version of what's around today. They're working on the best version of thing that's around in 10 years time. Before, you know, Steve Jobs, smartphones were not a thing that every single human had. Before Elon Musk's electric cars were never going to happen, just like they hadn't happened for 80 years despite the technology being around. And these people are just changing the world in a way that I'm like, I don't think like that. I don't have the right kind of brain. I can do... If you give me a thing, I can do that thing really well. That's why I scuttled it so well on Kickstarter. I was like, Kickstarter board games? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it really well. And I did it really well. But... What Elon Musk or Steve Jobs would do is not the best board game on Kickstarter. They would do the best new thing on new system. Like, I don't even, like, I can't even conceive it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are what you might call visionaries. I was actually just, you would probably like this documentary. I was watching this doco called Slingshot and I think it's on Netflix, but it's about the guy who made the Segway.
1: And then fell off a cliff?
0: No. Do you know about that?
1: What? The CEO of Segway wrote a Segway off a cliff.
0: Yeah, that's not actually true. Oh, isn't it? No, that's not true. They talk about it in the documentary. That's not true, but everyone, that's just a myth. Oh, But man. what's interesting, Such a good they talked myth. about the fact that <laughs> they were working on stuff. They started out as a medical engineering company, so they made stuff to improve medical stuff. Like they made home dialysis and all all that kind of stuff. They worked out how to make a machine so people could make medical grade water in their home. Stuff like that, that vastly improves people's lives. But then someone leaked to the press that their company was making the next big thing and they were calling it it. And so (laughs) everyone was reporting the fact that they were making this thing, and they were like, "We're not making anything. Like, we don't have an it." <laughs> so then they released the Segway. That's why everyone was like, "Segway, what a piece of shit!" And they were like, "No, you guys said that we had something. We didn't. We gave you the Segway because you wanted something." <laughs> but like, he actually does think that it's still revolutionary. I can understand why, and it's because in the future we're not going to be able to have fucking space for cars. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so that's how the Segway came about. He did not die. At the moment, he's trying to get water to places where they don't have clean drinking water. And so he's made a version of the machine that makes medical grade water and is trying to yeah distribute. Like a home kit? Yeah, yeah. But more like a community kit because it's quite a big machine. Anyway, the point is where it becomes relevant is he was talking about the fact that he decided not to have kids. And the reason was he was like, there's just too many things that I want to do and I can't do all of the things. So I'm going to choose getting sanitized water to places that don't have it kind of over having kids. And it just it made me sad because I was like, oh, sometimes I think about choosing working creatively over having children, which I don't think is necessarily a choice everyone has to make. Like, no,
1: no, absolutely. I plan to have a billion kids.
0: Yeah, but I'm not even going to save millions of people's lives. Does that make sense? Yeah. Look, I know that it's not really fair on myself to make those kind of comparisons. I was just like, oh, here's this guy who's choosing not to have kids because he's going to save lots of people's lives.
1: I mean, touching people's lives is significant and working creatively is touching people's lives. And even like we have a podcast with a regular listenership of maybe, you know, 800 or, or 500 people and you get messages daily from people being like, hey, I feel understood. I have never felt understood before. The conversations that you have with that dickhead with the blue hair make me go, oh, I'm not alone in this world. And that's not the same as bringing water to a, a third world country, but it is something and it is something significant and it is something important. And that's with our tiny, like, that's with the BMX bandits who are numbering in the hundreds at the moment.
0: Oh, fuck if you. you. Keep...
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you keep working on this kind of stuff is what I'm saying. Like that number will increase. I know, I I think you make a difference now And I think you make a big difference And it's not necessarily a smaller difference than the water thing It's just a different difference
0: Yeah, I suppose, I mean, I obviously have this I mean, firstly, thank you for saying That's really nice (laughs) Sorry, I feel very unappreciative right now But, I I mean, I have this conversation with myself When I think about, you know, like people saving lives Compared to to maybe what the kind of thing that I, I do And particularly when we talk about, because I do a lot of stuff in mental health, and we talk about functional recovery. So functional recovery is this idea that recovery is about how well you function. So the aim is to get people back in work or school or whatever. That like makes sense. But I also think that that's not totally about well-being.
1: Right. It's a really easy measure.
0: Like (laughs) well-being is really difficult to measure.
1: That's why they use it.
0: Yeah. No, I understand why we use that.
1: Last week you were saying it's because of capitalism
0: (laughs) Oh, I mean No, 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 I wasn't saying it's because of capitalism I was just saying that that's how we like To measure ourselves in terms of our success Or our functionality I get why they use that measure, it makes sense But I suppose it's I suppose I work In stuff that's much harder To measure
1: Yep, and I mean, here's the thing I want to make fucking sitcoms Like, I want to make stuff that makes people laugh And people can veg out on, you know, after a big day If you're working off a scale that's so much lower on the scale, yet I think it's hugely important. Did you ever read any Agatha Christie books? No. There's one that was published a year or two after she died. She wrote it something like 30 years earlier and was like, do not publish this until after I'm dead. It's called Curtain, and it's possibly her best work. It's just fucking phenomenal. It works better with the context of having read some of her other books, but by itself, it's still really, really good. And at one point, the narrator's daughter is saying that she works in the medical field, And she says, there's people who go, hey, these 50,000 people were going to die and we stopped them from dying. Sure, that's good. You stop people from dying. Then there's people who say, hey, these 50,000 people were going to have a worse life and we gave them a better life. She's like, that is so much better. That is such a better thing to do because that is affecting the quality of life, not just the existence of life. I'm not saying I agree with that, but that's an interesting approach to it. I want to make the world a better place. You want to make the world a better place. We do it in very different ways. With very different methodologies and and everything like that, but you don't want to just shuffle numbers around or sign pieces of paper. You don't want to take a job that pays the bills, then come home and and eat sushi and watch TV. You want to dedicate your life to improving the quality of life of other people. Yeah, I feel like it's dismissive to be like, ah, it's a, you know, I just I just want to make people's lives better. I'm not saving lives. No, that's a great thing. <laughs>
0: It's funny because uh, before when you're saying that doing this helps people feel understood, I kind of didn't really react very much because I was like, I'm going to start crying and that's just like... That is
1: so done. I'm not
0: doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> that is just so old. So but I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of the mental health system and how it, it can sometimes reinforce ideas we have about ourselves in a way that isn't necessarily helpful. And that in terms of like how... Peer work, which is people who have lived experience of mental health challenges. Oh, my God, the wording is so... Anyway, so this thing of being like, for as long as I can remember, I felt like there was definitely something wrong with me. It's like that I was weird or broken or whatever. Yeah. And when you go to the mental health system, initially they were like, oh, what are you talking about? You're really... I remember a psychologist being like, you don't have anything to complain about. You're so pretty and intelligent.
1: It's like fucking neckbeards on the internet being like, have you seen this? People are like, this person has problems. Like, no, they are pretty. They have no problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then you're like, oh, I have this feeling of brokenness and I'm, I'm like also wrong about that. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Double broken.
0: But then I spent enough time in the system to get to a point where they were like, oh, actually, um, you are a bit broken. You're right. There is something wrong with you.
1: And you're not pretty. <laughs> that first psychiatrist didn't know what she was talking about. You're really unattractive.
0: That's a bit harsh of them. So, and then I was like... I remember them being like, oh, you're a little bit broken and me being like, no, no, no. I think I'm more broken than you think. And then eventually I spent enough time in the system for them to be like, oh, no, actually you're about as broken as you think you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. And Stephen Morgan, who's a guy who helps run the intentional peer support in the US, I've heard him introduce himself and his story. And he talks about, and then I spent a while being really into the idea of being mentally ill. Yeah. And that's how I feel about that, of being like... And I still feel like I'm actually in that in a lot of ways, like really absorbed with that idea of brokenness. But what I think is interesting is how there's a lot of potential to have different kinds of conversations. And this is going to be really simplistic, but how I think about it is if I had said like, hey, I feel like maybe I'm broken, weird, bad, there's something wrong with me. And someone had met me and said like, wow... I think I know what you mean. I've felt that way before too. How different that approach would have been, and how different that would have made me identify with those things anyway, I have a lot of complex thoughts about how we disorder human experiences, and it's difficult, but I just think that a lot of human distress is is human it's not it doesn't, it doesn't like that's obviously that's <laughs> shut up it doesn't need to be as disordered but that's my own opinion, and some people find it really helpful for it to be labeled, like have a name on it, but I find it a real struggle in terms of identity and that kind of stuff.
1: Okay, I'm going to finish up three thoughts, and then we really got to wrap up. Yes. Uh, so firstly, the thing I was saying about Elon Musk, that made me realize, A, I'm not going to be Elon Musk, and B, like, I need to look at how I'm spending my time and what I want to do with it. And so that was the moment when I was really like, you know what? I want to make a creative splash of some kind. In my wildest dreams, I'm Disney. I don't think I'm going to be Disney. I think that's excessive. But that's what I'm aiming for. You know, aim for the stars. And even if you miss, you'll hit someone uh, in the eye. <laughs> the old phrase. And so that was the moment when I was like, you know what? I'm going to move overseas and not make friends and just work a lot and get a lot of stuff done and go from there. The second thought I wanted to wrap up was when we were talking about penguins, I started bringing up like different ways of having relationships. as because I was just genuinely like, do penguins get along in the same way as humans get along? Like... I've been thinking a lot about compatibility lately, specifically in terms of, like, do two dogs get along in the same way as two humans get along? Like, are they the same compatibilities? Because humans are so complex, and I think penguins are relatively simple, but how simple are they? And thirdly, my love language is compliments. Oh. And I think that's part um, of why I'm so like, hey guys, send us emails, because those emails are what make me feel happy.
0: <laughs> they're like Peter fuel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're little, little batteries for my butt.
0: Oh, God. I had a very vivid image Because
1: <laughs> you've seen my butt.
0: Yep. Sure have.
1: You've put batteries in it in the past.
0: <sighs> okay, so we have to do an outro.
1: We have to do an outro. It's such a hard life.
0: We have to do an outro, but there's a surprise outro, but I want to use it for a good episode. So do you think this is a good episode?
1: I thought this was a good episode. <laughs> what? Did you, did you not think this is a good episode?
0: No, no, I thought it was good, but I wasn't like, that was a great episode.
1: I think it was a good episode.
0: Like, good enough?
1: I think if we expect everyone to be number 20, we're going to be fucked.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay, so we have an outro this week, and it's a surprise one. So usually how the outros work is that Peter gets them and listens to them, and then I hear them for the first time when we play them. But if you want to just flip that script, (laughs) and you want me to get them and then peter to be surprised by them you can just email me so you can just email me at honoreasley at gmail.com this one is a surprise from a friend of ours are you ready what is it what can you read out the title of the outro
1: <laughs> peter surprise outro don't listen to this until sj says you can dot mp3 perfect now if you never say i can what happens then
0: uh you just can never listen to it
1: oh huh. can i listen to it
0: yeah we can we're going to listen to it now <laughs>
1: thank you for listening if you like this podcast tell all your friends you can also leave it with you or or a hi peter i miss you oh my god oh, oh.
0: that was my mum. <laughs> do you know who that was that was ada yeah it was ada it was baby ada
1: Oh my god, that's so good.
0: Ah,
1: I miss you, Ada.
0: Do you want to... Who's Ada? Ada
1: is the child of my good friend, Canadian Kate, who, despite me being in Canada, I never see anymore.
0: Yeah, well, I thought you were like that because you were like, I don't know when I'm ever going to see Ada again, or if she'll ever remember me when I come back.
1: Yeah, the two big thoughts I had about leaving Australia were... There is a... This is quite morbid, but were... There is a decent chance that I will be out of the country when my parents die,
0: Jesus Christ
1: I mean, it's a fact It's true Yeah And uh, Ada, who is an adorable child who I lived with because I'm really good friends with her parents Just might not remember me Like, I've known Ada from the age of two to, like, five And, like, do you remember anyone from who you were friends with from the age of two to five?
0: <laughs> I was trying to think about childhood memories yesterday And I couldn't even remember any with my twin sister in them <laughs> <laughs> So, No <laughs>
1: And so, yeah, one of my big thoughts about leaving Australia was Ada is not going to know who I am. Like, she's going to forget me as she goes older and I'll just be this guy who she meets, like, when she's 10 or something like that. You know, comes around for a week and is like, hey. She'll be like, hey, random guy with a blue beard. Yeah. Uh, and so that is super cute and delightful. Thank you, Ada. Thank you, Kate. And thank you, SJ.
0: I like how in your future you, you still have a blue beard.
1: But yeah, I've got a company named after it now. It's here to stay.
0: Oh, yeah. You have to keep that shit. Yeah. Thank you, Kate and Ada. That was really great.
1: Super adorable.
0: And thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye.